Here we go. It's time to shift our schools. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools podcast. Shifting Our Schools is created and produced by Jeff Udick and David Carpenter. Shifting Our Schools podcast is released under a Creative Commons 3.0 share like license. In other words, if you like what you hear, go ahead and use it. We've started recording, which means that we are ready to go with another episode of Shifting Our Schools podcast, and we've got a great guest with us tonight. We've got an administrator from Vienna joining us, and Greg, how are you tonight, Greg? Doing great. Good to be on, be on board. Why don't you give us a little background of uh, where you're from, how long you've been overseas, and tonight we're talking about the international recruiting process. Uh, so how many recruiting like cycles have you been through as an administrator now? This would be my seventh one, wow. and uh, depends on in the school. But uh, depending on the school, it it can be very very busy. Uh, Vienna is very quiet, especially in the high school. But a little background: uh, Greg Moncada. I am uh, international educator. Been in the business for twenty years. Taught for eleven years overseas. Uh, my wife and my wife Sharon and myself taught in Spain, Saudi Arabia. South uh, Africa, and now in Vienna. Uh, We have three girls, and uh, we travel all over the planet with them. So it's been a great career. Uh, In the the process of that career, I've been a science teacher and um, uh, then earned a doctoral degree from Minnesota uh, for uh, administration and and have been an administrator in South Africa and now in Vienna. And I'm the high school principal here now. So um, my job uh, has a lot to do with bringing on board people that uh, help us move the school in what we consider to be the you know, mission-focused directions of the school, and so as also to include technology. So uh, thanks for having me aboard. Great. And David, how are you doing tonight? Doing, doing well here in cool uh, Taiwan and like a lot of places in Asia. We have a lot of heat during most of the year, and, and uh, this time of year it gets a little cool, and we're not quite set up in our our apartments for it, but I'm, I'm doing my best. It's keeping the laptop on my lap here <laughs> does a little extra duty. So th- things are going great. How about you, uh, Jeff? How, tell us, you were in the neighborhood of Vienna not too long ago, and you're up there. I was. I spent my winter break, and I spent about uh, eight about eight days in Prague, and just love Prague. And then spent yeah. one day in Vienna. And if you are on the Stickum live stream, you'll see I threw up my. Uh, Flickr photos from Vienna while I was there. Uh, we were only there for a day, and then we headed into Zurich, where we spent about another four days. And I went skiing for the second time ever in my life. And I, I strongly suggest if you're a beginner skier, don't go to Switzerland because there's no such thing as an easy <laughs> ski slope there. Skis on their feet, and there's just no room for anybody trying to learn otherwise. Um, so. All right. Well, David, let's start with you. You've got some news for, for the folks out there about the whole recruiting process. And uh, why don't we get started with you and some of your news and, and kind of the process maybe you went through this year recruiting. Yes. And it, it was a bit of an eye opener. We spoke about it on our, our last show that um, 
my wife Margaret and I, we've been overseas uh, a, a long time, just like Greg and Sharon. And I thought we kind of figured out the recruitment uh, deal and how to go about it. Um, and if you read in Time Magazine last year, they had a couple articles about schools really starting early, earlier in the year to recruit and uh, using Skype and, and working with people really outside of the conferences. But, but this time, we, we said we were going to move out of Asia. We've been here for a while, so we looked at Europe and North Africa, and we really ran into kind of a split scene. Half, half of the schools that we were uh, contacting with got right back to us and started to talk to us, and then the other half, it was difficult to find out, did they have openings or what was their timetable, and we eventually found out it, was, it really was picking up or is picking up right now, kind of the... Uh, a different schedule than we had been used to here in Asia. So that was a bit of an eye-opener, and I would say for folks out there recruiting, get to know the region that you're applying to. Like I said, I thought we had figured it out, but we didn't. Um, and we scrambled at the end, and we're signing up for some conferences. Uh, but things worked out. Uh, our number one choice was Morocco. We've been for 10 years looking to go there, and we met some Wonderful people online. Alan Hughes is the director of Casablanca American School, and uh, he and his team, administrative team, uh, worked with us through Skype to, to know us, and we got to know them, and it turns out it's going to be a great place. That's where we're going to head next year, and uh, we're very excited, and my boys have been learning Chinese for seven years now, and now uh, one of them wants to learn French and the other Arabic, so we're going to give it a go, but that's all big news. Excellent. So you were hired. Through, you were hired through Skype Thanks. and through just the use of technology in different ways. Yes, and one of the things to add on the technology side, we for our last couple of jobs, we put together electronic portfolios, and it's interesting. We always wonder how much people are looking at them, and, and we use the uh, the Google. Jeff, tell me the name of the uh, analytics. Analytics. You brought that up, and, I, and then I spoke to one of our teachers at school, Panda Smith, and uh, so I went ahead and did that, and I started to see people were looking at our portfolio, and, and, and here's, this will be a question for, for uh, Greg as we get to it, because Greg really back in Saudi was our technology innovator there. Um, we, put it, we put our portfolios up, and we don't even know how much schools are going to look, but we thought it was just a plus that schools could see that we could demonstrate that use of technology and that we're willing to put in that much extra effort. So I don't, I don't know if that's something you look for, Jeff. I mean, Greg. You know, when we're, the chips are down, you're at, you're at a fair and you've got to make decisions, you need to be able to access people, candidates, and their recommendations, uh, recommend, you know, the people that recommend them and their recommendations mm -hmm. as, as quickly as you can because you, I, A, may lose the person, but B, you also want to get a, a comprehensive rendering of what that person is like. And so uh, if we were not, because of you know, time differences and time zones, we weren't able to get any individual to speak to us, we would definitely go straight to any information, further information that you would have or provide. A lot of people give CDs or DVDs. And um, uh, that's helpful. But we put that, you know, on a, in a pile. Uh, but like I said, if there's a, a time-sensitive decision that we need to make and we're across time zones, then, then we're going to go for it all. So it is definitely a plus. Excellent. Yeah, yeah well, I was, I was here just recently at the Bangkok fairs that were here, and I was, was not recruiting this year, but I was on babysitting duty. Uh, 
some, <laughs> some friends coming down from Shanghai who had a six-month-old, and so we were down watching the kid, which was great because it was good to get in and see a bunch of the administrators that I know in the area and stuff. And the more I talked to administrators, I, I was coming up with, when I was asking administrators, well, how many, what percentage do you think you hire before the career fair this year? And I was getting a standard response of between 50 and 60% of people were hired before. And this was basically the first big you know, recru- recruiting fairs because you had ISS back-to-back with search. Um, and it was really interesting because every administrator was saying that they're hiring almost 50 to 60% before their mm-hmm. uh, you know, fairs actually started. Have you kind of seen a trend that way, Greg? Are, are, are administrators... Yes. Are administrators looking earlier, or is the technology just allowing the communication to flow earlier, therefore leading to earlier hiring decisions? We're looking earlier. What we're doing is uh, if we can identify uh, or anticipate uh, people leaving earlier, then we're going to move on it aggressively right then and there. We're not going to wait for the fair. By and large, we're going to utilize Skype, video Skype, and we've hired our entire 2009-2010 cohort via video Skype, and um, uh, it saves us untold amounts of time, incredible amounts of money, yeah. and thus far, you know, what we see is what we get, so uh, it comes down to the kinds of questions we ask, it comes down to uh, their, you know, now that we can see them, their responses, and, and how they handle these questions, so it's been uh, revolutionary for us that, you know, to use video Skype, uh, and that really just started for us this year. So we'll sit in conference, and uh, we'll have two and three people on a screen, and, and uh, we'll make the decision based on, on video Skype. So Vienna's not going to any recruiting fairs this year? We may. We still have some people that haven't declared. There's, um, the final date is coming up, and um, I might be looking at, at going to a London fair if necessary. But here again, that's, you know, then you're in the clutch. You have, right. to, uh, you have to do FaceTime in order to make a, a really solid decision. And it's interesting time. because that's, that's kind of the, the feeling I was getting from administrators here is they're like, look, everybody that we really wanted to hire and that we could hire ahead of time, we've already done that. And they're mm-hmm. coming to the fairs with and, – and even from the people who were recruiting at the fair were saying, you know, things that were open on websites two weeks ago aren't open anymore. And people that actually mm-hmm. come to the fair hoping that it was this old style, everything is open, everybody's hiring here, we're very frustrated that a lot of things – you know, if you didn't know if you didn't know the tools existed, or you didn't know to contact schools ahead of time, as a as a recruit as a somebody recruiting, you were put at a, at a big disadvantage. And then the recruiters were saying the same thing. They're like, "Look, we're here looking for a specific four people because that's all we have left." And they had you know a specific people in mind, or they were going in and they could really narrow down based on the databases from ISS and Search to the, you know a couple specific people they wanted. If they didn't get those one or two people they wanted, they just go on to the next fair and they'll wait until they get the people they wanted face to face. But I find it really I think that's fascinating that you so far have hired your whole basically your whole cohort for next year over Skype video. That's fantastic. Yeah, I must tell you though, Vienna is unique. Uh, people don't leave often. And uh, many people come here to retire. And so uh, I, this is the only school I've been in where the turnover has been so low. And it's especially low in the high school. So I've been uh, not terribly busy, to be honest with you, regarding uh, hiring since I've been here. And um, it's, But what I do know is that what, when we know we have an opening or we anticipate a retirement, we're on it very early. And uh, we're headhunting people as well. Yeah. And we're, you know... Uh, you know, don't have any uh, any inhibition to ask somebody who we know is teaching at another school to say, would you consider? 
So uh, it gives us an opportunity to really anticipate and get ahead of the curve and, I think that's and get the people. I think that's something else that's changing too, because there used to be this kind of, for lack of a better word, good old boy agreement that you mm-hmm. didn't go after somebody that was working at somebody else's school. And in the last two years, I have totally seen this change to where there are, you know, schools are like, forget that. If there's somebody good out there and we have a specific spot and we want them to come to our school, we're going to go get them and we'll start the conversation with them. And maybe they weren't mm-hmm. thinking of quitting, but by the time we get them talking to them, you know, maybe they were. Last year, mm-hmm. you know, last year I had that happen to me. And this year, even this year, even though I'm on a two-year contract, I had schools contacting me saying, you know, hey, just in case you were wondering, we would love to chat with you if you're out there. So it's just really interesting how, how there's, there's this whole mentality shift of, of what's happening recruiting-wise. How much is technology playing into it? You know, you're talking about that you're recruiting teachers that are using Skype and Skype video. So there has to be some technology skill that way. Is there anything more that you're looking for? Are you a one-to-one in the high school, or what skills are you looking we, for as an we, administrator? Okay, yeah, here we go. This was the question I was waiting for. The, yes. <laughs> in other words, when you, get, when you get into the interview, what are you looking for? And yes. Um, yes, the answer is, of course, we're looking for a very high level of, of accomplishment in terms of not necessarily the, whether they use technology in, in, in their lives, but how they in, utilize technology to improve student learning. And so I believe Skype is becoming more the lingua franca and, and, or, and or the bar that's been set in terms of at least communicating avidly with, with candidates. But um, and, and so that, that would be a baseline skill and consideration, but it's not something that would be a, a linchpin um, uh, for, or I should say, a, a deal breaker um, for hiring. What, what are we looking for? We're looking for a, a well-balanced individual, and technology plays an important role in that balance. So uh, what we're looking at it is, is an attitude and approach towards learning that, um, that would utilize technology when, uh, when it's the very best way to help students learn. And more and more often, that's becoming uh, the way people are thinking about improving student learning using technology. So we have a lot of questions about how they use technology in the classroom and uh, how that is student-focused and uh, about their learning. Not so much about teacher do, yes, I know how to use Word, yes, I know how to use a smart board, yes, I, you know, we have all of that here. We have an incredible amount of technology here, and we want to see that teachers can use it to its capacity. And uh, it's very difficult to find a person that can do that and also be a good classroom manager and also uh, be, uh, be a person who is independent in their thinking and willing to take initiative, a person who's flexible, a person who has a little bit of wisdom and can see a big picture uh, every now and then. So we, we definitely throw, uh, put technology as a very large component of the pie, but it's not the only part of the pie. So, so what's, what's the makeup? Mm-hmm. Now, you're high school principal, so what's, what's kind of the makeup to kind of get a feel for your high school? Are you guys one-to-one? Do you have carts, or Good, what's yeah. kind of the makeup? Well, it's in transition. We've just this year introduced one-to-one in grades 5 and grades 7. And okay. um, uh, what we find is that in high school we have so many carts that we're about 28 laptops short of having every student with a laptop. Wow. So what the reason that we're rolling it in this way is so that we rather anticipate that they'll all have the skills necessary to uh, utilize the laptops in the high school, and then we'll eventually add all of those uh, additional uh, classrooms of, of laptops to become a one-to-one in the high school. But what we're doing right now is, is learning how to use one-to-one uh, teaching scenarios and learning scenarios. So there's a lot of groundwork to do 
uh, for that. And having the teachers feel comfortable with that and having the students um, uh, utilize that to improve learning. We're, so it's right now it's a baseline study. We're, we're looking to see how they do, in fact, improve student learning. Mm. So are you, are it, you we're hiring, interested. Are you hiring teachers? Are you hiring teachers that either have been, I mean, are you looking for teachers that have one-to-one experience and actually understand that it's more than just electronic paper on that end? Or, and, and at the same time, are you looking for teachers that can at least, are at least open to the change? Because I think that's, you know, mm-hmm. that to me is the biggest part. I understand that there's not a lot of teachers who have had experience in a one-to-one setting or might not even feel like they're comfortable with it, but at least have to be willing to the change. And I'm finding there's still a lot of teachers out there who aren't even willing for the change like they're just like i don't even want to deal with it and i don't know if it's because they feel their skills are so low or because it it, it does truly change i believe truly change the feel the makeup the way learning happens in the classroom mm-hmm. and we look for both if you yeah to answer the question we look for both we're not going to let uh we're, like i said we're looking for an overall attitude towards uh, learning and student learning and it, and that requires a high level of uh, a flexibility, a high level of willingness and initiative to to try new things in general. Uh, most times, people coming overseas are trying something pretty new, uh, if, especially if it's their first time coming over. So we know that they're adventurous in a way, but we want them to be uh, very thoughtful about how they intend to um, to be creative in their classroom. What we're finding is, in terms of the teachers that are um, are. I really wanted to shift the conversation a little bit to the teachers that we have here. We don't have a lot of teachers leaving, and so we really do confront the question of of how do we help teachers, how do we support teachers to utilize the technology that we have to, the, to capacity. And uh, our efforts, um, while we recruit for these efforts and we bring people on board, it's so um, limited. It's not like you're getting a 20% or 30% new people a year. Uh, you're getting one or two teachers in grade, you know, in grade in the middle school. How do you, we, so we have to be very selective. And what we've done is we've been very selective for people who know how to utilize technology uh, in a web two in a web two uh, framework. So you know, my daughters have teachers now who use Moodle and and or have uh, blogs and or have uh, wikis that they have to to uh, to use. So the, and they are you know so we've. Uh, and we've done that intentionally. So we, but we look for both. However, we're also very concerned about how we help the teachers here move forward in that in a, in a web tool way of learning. So, is that a professional development focus for you in your school? It is uh, more and more so. But you know, for example, I it, I will say that uh, it hasn't been for a long time. So when I arrived, you know, we had to make some pretty pretty big jumps to move forward and um, and. So right now, where we are is uh, not not where I would like to see us be. But what I found is that I've had to use kind of um, a group of the willing to try different things. And uh, that's been extremely helpful, and it's been especially helpful in faculty meetings when we're talking about how things can be of benefit to teachers and convenience generators in many, way, uh, in many ways. We want to make sure that uh, if we're asking teachers to to change the way that they format their classroom and utilize laptops in their classroom, that, um, that they have the support that they need to and the, and the knowledge and the skills that they need to do it in a way that, that maintains the professionalism that they've been able to utilize without it. So uh, they want to feel confident, and we need to help them do that. Having a group of teachers that have tried it and can stand up and say, this is, here's how we've done it, and look at this, and here's why it's you know, great for the learning, and here's why it's great for you. So... 
that's been a, a big focus of our professional development and making sure that we have all of those pieces in place uh, you know, as they need it. Good. Well, Greg, you're, you're talking about what, what we um, outlined so much in our podcast that the biggest thing is to have the leadership and then have the leadership that understands what shifted education looks like and using the web 2.0 as you say and someone who's willing to empower um, people below him or her or fellow uh, educators who have the skills and can bring them in and they're going to feel valued but as you just pointed out you also have to be very careful with the people that it's new to and, and, and handle them as and help them feel as professional as they can because, of course, they bring important things to the table as well. So that's such a big part of it that, that you're providing that leadership and you have this skill set and you, another part of your background has been in change management and that's something uh, we, we spoke about on one of our more recent shows about administrators really managing that process of, of change and how, um, how difficult it is. So that's a big part of it. And then uh, we're just throwing up your putting the question back to us a little bit, a couple more people that to come aboard are your curriculum director, um, obviously, because Jeff and I are such believers that if you can develop your curriculum around the, the, the learning 2.0 goals that, that we want our kids to have, the 21st century skills, and moving away from the content, that the content is just um, what we're using to teach the skills and to get the kids to, to make the connections and and have the, the higher level thinking skills, but also that you have that educational technologist on staff and you have a very um, forward-thinking library media specialist. And you build that team together, you have a great chance of, of, of moving your school where, it wants, where, where you want it to go. Mm-hmm. Here again, you know, once again, the challenge is, is that you're working with people who have been here for a long time. And that, that may be more common than a high level of turnover in some international schools. And mm-hmm. so all of these people are here in place, and it's just a matter of, of carefully selecting and, and working with those individuals. And I can, I can say that you know, our curriculum coordinator utilizes uh, technology exceptionally well. Uh, however, it has to be able to reach the teachers without having the teachers do something new and different every time that they, they uh, work with the individuals. They, they really want to, you know, we really want to focus on curriculum development. So uh, do we do that using a wiki? Do we use that, do that using a blog? Well, no, not right now. We're still using you know, meeting times, and we're, but we're mediating it on the Internet, and they are on our land, and they know where to work to go and get that information and add to that information. So, and, and by doing it over time, we, we feel like it's, it, it's going to, especially these laptops are going to precipitate a significant shift. And um, as these kids come up and demand more and more connected type of thinking about how yes. they approach questions, these teachers are going to going to have that aha moment and say, "Okay, if if you do it this way, then and and it's and it's starting to happen." So, um, but it, at the same time, it's nascent. We're just just really getting uh, getting more and more into individual one-on-one uh, learning for these students. Yes. So. Do, do administrators have as much fun and are excited at recruiting fairs as it can be for candidates? I mean, I, and I know I have a skewed view because I've only been to one recruiting fair. Yes. And my wife and I, we were like, 
I don't know, we had plenty of job offers. It was our first time, right? We walked in not knowing what the heck we were doing because it was our first time ever recruiting overseas. And so we walked in not knowing what we were doing. By the end of the first day, I think we had four offers. By the end of the second day, we were up to six offers. And then we're sitting there going, what the heck? We went in not having a clue where we wanted to go and not thinking the Middle East at all and walk out ended up going to Saudi Arabia. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I had friends that walked into this fair and the jobs they ended up taking weren't even posted when the job fair began. And it wasn't a school that was even on their radar. And that happens so much. But there's so much excitement. I think and I think both David and I might be skewed because we're couples. And I know couples are are more sought after than than singles. And maybe you can talk about that a little bit because I know singles get pretty frustrated about it. But. It, it, becomes it is tough of, for singles. It, it becomes this pretty excited, this excited time from somebody recruiting to all of a sudden, you know, schools want you and you want to be at that school and there's all this excitement. Do administrators have that same kind of excitement? Like you love talking to people and getting to know people and, and can you kind of explain what that whole recruiting process feels like from an administrator's point of view? I've always been interested. It's, um, it's, ex- it's extremely demanding. It, you know, you might have three interviews that day, but I have I have upwards of twelve and sixteen, and they can go for an hour and forty. You know, they have forty minutes usually, but an hour, and they oftentimes are repetitive, so it, it can it can it's very demanding on on the individuals that are doing the interviewing, and if you have if you have people that are very closely matched, and you have to split hairs. It, it can be emotionally, you know, draining as well, because you, you know, you might feel like in this particular aspect of this person's uh, capability is very strong, and we make a personal connection, and yet they're not as strong as this other individual who you felt, you know, didn't have that connection. It can be, it can be very demanding, both emotionally and physically. So from, so it's it's always very exciting. Uh, however, it it can it's also very very tiring. And um, we, you know, we, when you get tired, you don't always make the best decisions, and it's hard to get away. So there's that aspect of it. In terms of the other side, I love them. I, I absolutely love recruiting fairs. I, as, a, as a person who's going to go re- recruit, my wife absolutely uh, can't stand them. For her, it's this emotional roller, emotional roller coaster. She doesn't really yes. love it. I love to mix it up, and I like to get into... Uh, to talking to people and learning from people, and then, and then layering a you know a complex decision. You know, when you when you buy a house, that's not easy. Yeah. You're 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 trying to step in, in, in as I say, it's, and I look for people who are stepping into a world of unlimited possibilities. Right. So you know that's why you can walk in, and you might have an idea that you might want to go to this school, but don't get too bound to, to that particular idea because you if you're open, you can walk out with something magical. And, uh, and I agree. so that's, that's my perspective. My wife is like, just let me hold on. <laughs> yeah. So I agree. I, you know, whenever anybody asks about, you know, how do you approach recruiting fair? I was like, just go in and go in being open to go anywhere. You can always narrow yes. it down later, but if you go in and just take it for what it is, you know, interview with any school because you don't know where that personal connection is going to come from. And I found, I found that interesting that you talked about that because for my wife and I, it's always been about the personal connection. And what we've even found is, and I don't know if this is unique to recruiting fairs, it has been so far from the jobs I've applied for, say, in the States back when I was, you know, starting teaching versus overseas. But, you know, a lot of my conversations during international recruiting fairs have nothing to do with actual curriculum, day-to-day classroom stuff. 
And the administrators I've talked to have said, look, we can learn all that by calling your references and by looking at everything that you've done in your resume. What we want to know is, can we connect to you as a person? And do you, do, mm-hmm. I mean, how do you, how do you balance the kind of curriculum teaching versus that, you know, this is somebody you have to live with in a foreign land for two years. And are you going to get along and I, have that personal connection and be able to work with this person? How do you kind of balance mm-hmm. that? Do you lean towards asking more questions? Does the conversation just kind of flow within an interview? It does. For us, it flows. We have a set of questions. Uh, I also utilize rubrics for some of those questions, some of the ones that are that we like to compare person to person with. We want to have some some more objective perspective on that. So technology has a rubric, and um, the, our synthesis question typically has a rubric. And uh, but we let it flow. And it, and it normally when it really gets going, it feels organic. It doesn't. There doesn't. There's not a lot of stress. People tend to to be a bit more relaxed and a bit more open. And when you make that connection, you know you've gotten past the main, you know, the main barrier of, of really learning about this person. I will say that um, it's critical for an administrator to know their faculty, too, and to know what kind of people work well in the faculty and don't. So the better yes. I know my own teachers here, the better I can say you're going to fit. I can see what you're saying is going to work well in the uh, – at. In, in the group that you're going to be working in, that you're going to resonate with them and you're going to, um, you're going to be uh, a real contribution to this team and they're, they're going to welcome that. So that's, that's a big piece. I, I also like to have a strong connection and I want to be able to, to really uh, move into uh, how they approach uh, learning, how they, you know, I'm looking for what I call CPU, which is uh, compassion, patience, and understanding. So, you know, if they can approach a lot of their uh, problems or, or issues that they deal with in the day with, the, with CPU, com- compassion, patience, and understanding, then, then uh, I feel like we're you know, mutually uh, like-minded and, and thinking in a, in a mutual team, team-like fashion. And so once we get past that, then, uh, then it, it almost feels uh, de rigueur after that. Like uh, we have to ask these perfunctory questions, uh, be, but, you know, it's already there. The decision's already made. Cool. I'm glad it's that way. It is. <laughs> yeah, Greg, it was interesting earlier. Yes. Let me ask you a quick question. You were is it's it's interesting. Is all of a sudden I find myself a little bit older, and people look at me for some wisdom when I can pull it out of my pocket. Um, <laughs> and I, I realize that there are times that the experience and being a little calmer does definitely pay off. And I, and I look at that situation where you're hiring someone and they need to, this person needs to fit with where your school is but also where you want your school to be and you you're there might be a spark plug and just have so many things going on and you're looking for enough wisdom and enough people skills for that person to be able to read to be able to go in and say you know what these are the i've got to take some smaller steps and that you know the person's going to listen to you, that you might say to this person, you know, I'm, I've, I've got big plans for you, but you're going to need to work with me on this. Um, you're going to be a part of our future. Have you been in that situation before where you've, you, you feel like the, the person's there and it's just really that kind of wisdom ratio? Do they have enough of it to be able to make the right decisions to, to get along, I guess, back to your CPU yeah. there? Well, here again, that, that's what I was, you know, that's what I was really trying to express. I think that, I need to know what works in the school, but I know that if I bring on a firebrand, that that can actually do more damage and create a higher level of resistance than if I were to bring someone who can 
communicate with people in a manner that is that demonstrates care and uh, trust and uh, a willingness to build a relationship based on on both content and on their indi- you know individual interests. That that that's going to be what carries the day. It's impressive. It's uh, I, I've seen it happen where uh, individuals will come and they'll say, "It's not like my old school. It's not like my old school." And you realize that uh, they might be uh, too far ahead. There's nothing wrong with this, but that um, because they want to move too fast, it doesn't work with the team, and and then it ends up backfiring and not not uh, getting the school where it needs to go. So I, I need you know if, again knowing the school and knowing that that one needs to demonstrate care and patience, uh, that um, the person we hire has to be able to say, okay, while it might not be like it was, I can help facilitate here and I can help facilitate there and I can work with this individual here. And that has great currency here. It, it really, uh, a person like that will have great traction in a school that's shifting and shifting thoughtfully. Mm-hmm. So, uh, does that make sense? Uh, does that help? Definitely. Okay. Definitely. Okay. So, so it's, it's, yeah. It, it's, I should say it's great because it's you know we get so wrapped up in uh, in trying to get teachers to understand you know using the tools and the changing nature of education and how the tools you know are truly changing learning and teaching on a on a level that we haven't seen you know since before the industrial Re- revolution and it's interesting because mm-hmm. we get so wrapped up in that and yet over top of all of that is the ability to be able to communicate and whether that's communicating digitally or communicating in person and building those relationships, it, that's so key. You know, I, I'm first year here at ISB, and it's been, you know, in your first year, it really is about, especially in my role as an integrationist, you know, I don't teach classes, I don't have regular prep time, but trying to get out with teachers and build those relationships. You know, teachers don't know who I am, they don't have a clue what I do or what I'm like or how I can help. And so it's getting out and just being available. And especially in the first year, you know, when a teacher says jump, I, my, my whole thing is in your first year when a teacher says jump in my position, I just you jump and ask how high on the way up. You know, because you yeah. need to build that relationship because so many times you only get one invite into a room. And, mm-hmm. if you're, you know, at some point they're going to invite you in to help them with something. It might help them, you know, they've finally taken a, taken a chance and they're going to start podcasting or they're going to take a chance and, and do this, that, or the other thing. And so you get one mm-hmm. chance, and you have to be prepared, and you have to have a relationship that at, of such that when you do get that chance, that you don't screw it up. So mm-hmm. I, I, makes a lot of sense. One of the one of the and back to hiring. If you hire the right person, um, they will they wouldn't necessarily not the right person, but the person who best fits for your school. Uh, they might not be the person who is going to stand up in front of the faculty and say, now this is what I do and here's how I do it and it really works well this way. And, and, and there's this implicit notion that it might be better than what other people are doing and, and that's another point of resistance. But rather they're sitting in, a, in the lunchroom and they might have a laptop out and the teacher next to them looks over and says, wow, what are you doing? And then there's that, that one moment for that new person you've, you've recruited in to say, well, we're trying to learn this, and this is what we're trying, and it's really easy, and <laughs> and you have this viral yes. kind of uh, 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 acceptance to to these tools, and um, that that seems to to work really well in this very stable hiring environment that we're in here, in Vienna. So, uh, it, it really amazing results have happened as a re, as a result of 
people just sitting next to each other looking in. So it might not always be the integrationist that, that is doing that. The integrationist for us here would make sure that the instructions for making a wiki or building a wiki or doing a log uh, would uh, be very clear and thorough. And, uh, but they're not always the person who just happens to be in the lunchroom uh, watching what's happening on the on this laptop. Exactly. So, so what what advice would you give? And I think there's, well, let's let's first talk about singles because I, that's always I think, what what is the deal with singles? Why do they always feel so frustrated at fairs? And I mean, can you kind of give why is why are teaching couples beneficial to schools? How do how do schools see couples as being more beneficial than say a single hire? A couple of things. One, um, stability. Uh, they have somebody to rely on in a new place. So when and and then there's a, an economic and financial advantage as well if there's a housing allowance involved. So that there's some basic things that that uh, help promote consistent transition uh, process, uh, a consistent pr- transition process from one school to the next. The um, uh, the bit about singles is that. Um, Oftentimes young, less experienced, not necessarily always. And then um, you don't get many singles in the middle. Uh, it's either they're very early in their career or, or pretty far along in their career. And one, so one has to attempt to understand you know, what their long-term intent is. And do they, do they intend to stay two years? Do they intend to commit to a school? So there's this question of what, what is in their future? What is their... Um, uh, what are their goals long term? And uh, when you have a couple, they tend to seek stability. They tend to, you know, to stick around a while longer, and it's um, it, it's money in the bank in a way. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but singles also are, are a bit more abundant, and um, you have more choice, and so that drops the the probability that they get uh, a position, especially first timers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've 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 heard first time singles come in and say, you know, I didn't even get an interview. And uh, that's because the competition is, is so stiff. So that's, that's at least been my perspective. Yeah, and so. what's your feeling this year? Like this year, the feeling from teachers recruiting, those teachers that I've talked to at least, has been that it's been, it hasn't been the years in the past. Like the last couple of years, it's really been a recruiter's um, a market, you know, that there's been a ton of job openings. People have been moving around a lot. And this year, it just doesn't seem there's a lot of movement. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I know, I know, you know, firsthand that technology has been really low this year. There's hardly been any mm-hmm. big tech job openings, um, you know, and things go through like that. Like last year was a huge tech year. Like there, it seems like every, every mm-hmm. school had at least one tech opening, if not others. This year seemed to be, because my wife's a counselor, seemed to be a counselor year. Like that some one point there was 52 counseling openings. Um, wow. so it was just, you know, it's interesting to see what's your feeling overall about this year though. Do you feel like teachers just aren't moving as much because of maybe economic, maybe because Correct. of economic reasons, or it just feels like it's a down year overall recruiting. Right. If you've got a job, keep it. Yeah. You know, with 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 Connecticut or there's a you know states stateside there are you know statewide freezes on hiring. So if you're going to leave a post uh, to go overseas, you may not. They may you know they may relinquish that position. You may not have that position. Upon your return, and so for older singles, that's oftentimes the case. The, uh, the, the perspective that we have in, in Vienna right now is one of caution. We're budgeting for uh, you know fewer fewer new students coming in, 
And if people leave, we'll probably uh, fill in part-time as opposed to going full-time for a whole full-time position. And, you know, we're looking for a, uh, a temporary way of hiring people while at the same time protecting the, you know, the solvency of the school. Not that we're having any difficulties whatsoever, but that one wants to be cautious and, and is concerned about a major downturn in enrollment. And if you don't have the ability to um, release people, uh, easily, then you're going to uh, go into deficit, deficit spending. So I think that, that schools in general are looking to be very cautious, and it's uh, a needs-based uh, hiring, and um, because you know a position is, is being vacated and you have to fill that position, but if there's a way where you can uh, drop a few sections or shed uh, part-time people, then you would do that preferentially. And, and so it's, it's a challenging environment, I think, uh, macroeconomically. What are some ways that if you're if we're talking about recruiting fairs, what are some ways that that or some things that you've seen or that stand out to you when you're meeting people for the first time, whether it's in the signing up for interviews or what makes people stand out? If if I was going recruiting, you know, what is it that what's something I could do to maybe kind of stand out in the crowd? Is there, you know, is it? I mean, people sometimes. And I don't know if it makes any difference, but they'll spend hours, you know, pouring over how their resume looks. And it really is that that important other than as long as you can find the information you want to find on it? Or how do you really stand out in the interview process? You know, when you're standing in that line for Vienna, then I'm sure is 20 or 30 people deep all the time. Because it's such a great <laughs> school, you know, everybody wants to go yeah. to Vienna. How do, you, how do you decipher that? And how, you know, from a teacher standpoint, how do you kind of maybe, you know, be able to, to get that interview rather than, rather than not. Okay. Uh, a couple of things. One, you know, you need to have certain print documents in the right place at the right time. And uh, one of the things that, um, that stands out, that it, you, you, know, you get, I have these steps, you know. You're in this big round robin in this big room, and you're getting hit with one resume after another. And all I really want to know is your name and what you teach and maybe how long you've been doing it and maybe where you're coming from. Those little bits of data would give me enough information to say, hey, I think we have a fit. Could you Let's schedule a time to meet. So that particular document has to be very clear and concise, right? And, and best if it has a photo. Yeah, photos <laughs> you know, and, and, and then, then we're going to go pull that file, and we're going to get all of the information that you ever gave. And what we're really looking for at that juncture, um, you know, we're going to look at your degrees. We're going to look at where you've been, and then we're going to go immediately to your recommendations. So what really is critical in, in standing out on the document side is that you have very strong, very rational uh, uh, recommendations. They don't need to be wrong. They, they just need to say, hey, this is, a, you know, this is the kind of person you want at your school, and, and here's, what, you know, here's a personal story that I can tell you about this individual. And um, for me, that is such a, a, a great way to make uh, an understanding about this person at that point. And that would, that would get the interview. And the second piece is when, I, when we meet you and we talk to you, I, you know, the, the most important thing that you can do to help yourself is to relax and to be yourself and to give and take a little. We know we want to hear a lot about you, but we don't want to hear you the whole time. We want, to, we want you to listen and we want you to, to uh, also give us the information that we're asking. So if it's, if it's something where if you really want to be on the show and you really want to uh, wow us, uh, that can be done in many different ways. But uh, getting in and, and uh, being yourself and relaxing and uh, trying to make that personal connection with the recruiters is key. Um, if you're there and you talk the whole time, 
Um, we're going to know a lot about you, but if there's no connection, then it's very challenging to to really, really make a decision about you. So relax, be yourself, and um, listen to the questions carefully. The, you know, we typically offer our ask a synthesis question, and um, a, a venerable director uh, taught taught me how to do it. And uh, Daryl Russell, who who we give a, a, a an incredible interview, or you know, give the you know the uh, people recruiting an incredible interview, but a uh, death-defying interview. But, you know, we want you to put some information together on the spot, and, and we want to see that you're relaxed and you, and you have a, an, an open and a flexible approach to it. So be yourself, relax, and listen to the questions carefully and give us the information that we're, we're, we're looking for, and, um, and have fun a little so my 25-page resume with every podcast I've ever done and every blog post I've ever done, I probably, probably yeah. should throw that out and just go with the two-pager. You know, I must admit, um, impressively, when they are too long, uh, they are discarded. It's, yeah. it's almost offensive because while yeah. it's, especially a resume, if it's a front and a back and you have contacts and we can call them immediately uh, and, um, and email them immediately, then, then that's, that's going to be what gets... Uh, gets past that first that first wash, and, and I must admit we get dozens a day, so it can be very very challenging for uh, for us to make sense of all of this. And everybody looks great, but if if it's four to six pages long, then it it, it really is not something that we'll read. Yes. Have, you know, um, if you if you follow, if you've ever heard of Edward Tufte, he's um, wrote a book called The Visual Display of Quantitative Information, and he um, he talks about white space on the page, and it's really important to have. Your, um, your documents in a way that are quickly readable without too much data ink, as he calls it. So. That's a good way to describe it. We're trying to teach our kids uh, how to communicate in the kind of communication they'll need in the real world and writing briefs and, and uh, short excerpts to give people to give them a little coverage of their ideas. That's just a skill in itself. And um, What you just shared that I think is so important is... is especially for young international educators coming over. And, and it is tough to control your emotions, but you, the more that they know they've got someone like you on the other end that is going to just do their best to, to try to make a connection. And you want to go to a school where you, you have a good fit and you have to be yourself. And, um, and if you're not being yourself, it's the connections aren't going to happen. So I think that's really, really good advice. And, and one thing that, that I wanted to ask you about is when you call those other administrators, the administrators for the mm-hmm. applying at your school, what are some questions that you ask them to get even further insight? The first question is, would you hire this person again? And the second question is, do you have any reservations at all about uh, this person? Did, did your encounters with this individual um, uh, were they were they positive? How, what you know? Are there any things that we should be uh, asking them about? It's not necessarily a negative uh, to say, well, you know, this individual was outspoken on a number, you know. But we want to know so that we we know how they fit, you know. And and if we have a lot of outspoken people at the school, uh, do we you know do we want another person who's really? I mean that that's the sort of thing that we would want to know. It's not it's not always a negative, but we would really definitely look for. Um, uh, or ask about, you know, if, if A, they would you know, rehire them again, and if, if, uh, if yes, then why, and if no, then, then why not? And um, uh, I will say that uh, administrators are always, uh, are always so professional. They're not going to say, uh, you know, that, oh, this person did this or did that. They'll say, no, I'm, you know, this person was uh, very strong in the classroom and, and, and uh, was able to individualize 
but the bias for this person was this. And, and it's just important to know. So that's, that's that we're not trying to catch anybody out. We're not trying to, uh, but we definitely want to know what we can't really know from the print media. And we can only know from people that have worked with the individuals before. Um, so I guess it goes back to the, to the person who's recruiting. Build strong, lifelong relationships, trusting and lifelong relationships with the people you work with. And um, it's very easy for people to gush about you uh, when that's the case. Mm. Good, points. Good points. Well, we're coming up here on about 50 minutes, which means it's about time yep. to start wrapping this up. Um, usually we wrap this up with kind of a blog post or a reading of the week. If uh, somebody has one, David, why don't we start with you this week? If you have something that you'd like to throw out to people, something you yes. have on your radar. Yes. Uh, and this is a good lead into our uh, podcast coming up on January 29th. I was listening to David Warwick's Connected Learning Podcast, kind of catching up a little bit. In number 92, he was interviewing Curtis Lehman, uh, who I guess some day now they're going to have the Educon conference there in uh, Philadelphia, and he asked uh, Chris, what does he look for in a shifted educator? So it was it was really nice to have um, that opportunity to hear what Chris was looking for, very, very similar to what you're saying, Greg, uh, and, and for folks like Jeff and I, you know, we look for, edu- for educators like yourself. You're the kind of people we want to work with. So go to, and I'll put it up on the... Uh, show notes, but it's in iTunes, Connected Learning Podcast number 92. Excellent. Mm-hmm. How about you, Greg? Do you have anything that's kind of on your radar that you, know, you think? Uh, always a few, but I really wanted to share with you something that I saw on your website, Shift Our Schools, and it was the networked student video. I need for you to know that uh, that was an exceptional video in, in many different ways. It was very, very concise and declarative about what it looks like in the classroom. And I found that, that teachers here at this school have, have really enjoyed that. And I've, and I've shown it to my, you know, those are the willing, and, and we've got some things going as a result of that, that networked student video. So I want to ask you to put it back up there and say, hey, this really was a big hit because it, um, it was very effective for uh, a, a, a big handful, uh, a two-fisted handful of my, my teachers here. And... Um, so I'm hoping that it actually helps people understand exactly what you guys are after. It's not so much about the, the tools themselves, but the learning that can be achieved. And um, this, that was such a wonderful little, little show on how that learning can be achieved today with Web 2.0. And so I appreciate that. And I would say put it back up there because it uh, was a boon for, for us here. And thank you. No, and that's great. And it was all done by a high school kid. That's the that's the yeah the great thing about it is it's it's from the it's from the mouth of the students themselves, and I think that's what made it so powerful. There's actually one that I'm really into now that I, I posted on Utech Tips today. Uh, if you go to utechtips.com down the side, there's a new one, and I don't know if you've seen it yet, but it's uh, by uh, Capellan University, and they've come out. They've got actually two now they've released on YouTube. Uh, about this new launch that they're doing about looking for talent and talent can be found anywhere and it's just I love the video uh, it just it gives me tingles like it makes me want to go to that university which I have not felt that way in a long time like I finally found a university that mm-hmm. understands me and uh, their session uh-huh. is just as good but at the end of the video it even gives you like it, I think it's called I think it's capellan.edu slash talent which I think is such a great way to say you know we're looking for talented people come join us and 
I went to the website today, and the website is just as as just kind of what you would expect. Like it's kind of got this social networking feel. They've already got some blog posts up. They've got comments from people that have already started looking into the program. And it's got this big "What's your talent?" Um, and really talking mm-hmm. about how instead of learners adapting to universities, that univer- universities need to start adapting to. Um, the learner, so it's it's a great video. That's the one I posted today. So maybe you can use that one as your as your next step uh, in your school mm-hmm. as well. There's another one that I'd like, to, I'd like to point out, and I'll I'll put this in the uh, Stickum chat room, and I'll send it to you for the show notes, David, as well. Uh, yeah. I read this earlier this week, and it's I have it permanently bookmarked in uh, Firefox, and I can't get rid of it. Like I can't. I just can't physically <laughs> let go of it yet because I've read it twice, and every time I read it, I need to go get some ibuprofen because it's just, to me, uh, once in a while you find posts like this, and maybe it's just where I'm at in my own thinking. Uh, you know, Maybe it won't speak to people like it has spoken to me, but it's just, to me, is really hitting on where, where I'm at right now. And it's, it's by Michael Welsh, who has done the whole, you know, he's, he runs the anthropology class at Kansas State University, and he's done all the all this stuff on YouTube and right. looking into the YouTube culture and stuff. And he writes this, this essay, and it's called From Knowledgeable to Knowledge Able, Learning in a New Media Environment. And it's a fantastic essay that it's right. It's quite long, but I'm telling you, it's worth the read. And he really talks about you know, the deep understanding and, and moving. He even goes to where I've kind of been shifting from of late, which is you know, do we really need standards? And if we don't need standards, what, what needs to... What needs to kind of replace them. And he gets into this whole talk about moving away from subjects and moving into subjectivities. And he even almost lists like what the standards would be if you were teaching subjectivities through the subject, where, you know, we're teaching skills through content, which is something that I've really been thinking about lately. So I think that's a, you know, it's it's a deep read and have some ibuprofen and a glass of water when you get done. <laughs> brain cells for sure. And then the other one is I just posted... Uh, on the thinking stick earlier this week, maybe yesterday, even if I remember, um, I posted about kind of what the average, you know, experience is for a recruiting person going in. And I've asked Julie Lindsay and Clay Burrell, who were both recruiting this year, to kind of maybe give their experience. And I just kind of ran through because I, I get a lot of questions um, from people who haven't been overseas or are thinking to go overseas for the first time on, you know, what's this whole experience like? And I just kind of outlined like what a three day you know, weekend at a recruiting fair is like, and it's so intense. And, and again, it's such a, it's a rush uh, to kind of see how the whole thing plays out, you know, being down there this weekend with our friends and watching their, their, you know, five or six yes. kid, it was great because they would run in the room and they were like, Oh, we just had this great interview. We really connected with these admin. And then they were out to another interview and then they would come back and then they had two offers on the table and then they were up all night thinking about, and that's exactly what it is. And, and you have three days to make mm-hmm. a decision that's going to affect your life for at least the next two years and probably longer. And so it's just this, mm-hmm. it's, it's something that you really can't explain unless you've actually been through it. And I think it's, it's one of those things that when international teachers get together, it's, it's a common talking point about, you know, your international school experience and how it works. So I encourage mm-hmm. you to read that post. There's been a couple comments that other educators have put on it, other international educators. Uh, Clay Burrell promised to write about how he got hired at Singapore American School. And Julie Lindsay said that she'll be writing up something later about her new school in Beijing. So it's been great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think this is such a timely it's such a great time to be talking about this. And I really appreciate Greg, you, you joining us uh, in the podcast, seeing that it, mm-hmm. it's like midday for you now, I guess. in Vienna. So you're, uh, yep. Two o'clock <laughs> starting <laughs> to snow again. <laughs> it wasn't snow yeah. when we were there. We just had, it was just so cold. We could hardly walk around the city. We were on a speed walk. So. Yep. 
now 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 it's cold and <laughs> and, and white. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you for having me. I, I thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. It's been a it's been a pleasure. Well, I appreciate it, and hopefully Thanks. we can have you back on when we do some other questions in the future. We'd love to have you back. We're always looking for some good international shifted administrators that can that can help us really synthesize this, and you, you do such a great job of doing that for us, and I really appreciate it. Thank you. So, Thank you. Absolutely. All right, so that's going to wrap up uh, this episode. Oh, do you want to say? Yeah, yeah, I wanted to say just, yeah, coming up, and just for, if, if we have some administrators uh, listening, they need to go to... Uh, uh, the Thinking Stick to find, or Andy Torres's blog to find the uh, questions that you two put together for administrators to look for shifted educators. Um, I thought that list was great, and Greg to look at it as well. So I'll do my best to yeah. put a link in the show notes to that. But that, that was very helpful, Jeff, and to Andy out there. I'm sorry, David. I will say that it did augment my rubrics and uh, has been very, very helpful. Good. Again, well, I'm thanks. glad it was helpful. You know, I we put that list together, and and last year I got feedback that said, "Well, this these aren't all the questions you would ask." And no, I don't expect this to be all the questions you ask. But here are some questions that, if you don't know what to ask, for those administrators who don't know what to ask, here are some questions that you can pick and choose from and kind of decide what's going to fit for your school and what you're looking for. So, hopefully, they were helpful to some people. They've been downloaded about a hundred times now, and. Some administrators at this last fair down of the weekend had, had came up and said that they were looking at them too and using them. So that's good. That's all I put them up there for is hopefully they could help somebody. Yeah, got to get the word out. And, and I did want to, to connect to your uh, present. You're talking about the from knowledge to knowledgeable. Um, that uh, sounds like a white paper that was put together about really where are we going next. And that that's our next podcast. Uh, essential question is once shifted. Where do we go next? And we're going to have uh, Chris Lehman and Brent Loken, two very futurist, visionary, I've been a bit redundant there, guys, um, to come on and <laughs> share their ideas. They're, they're out there. They're doing it. And uh, what's next? So I think it's going to be a very exciting show on January 29th. Yes, uh, that should be good. I'm looking forward to it. And it was so nice of, of Chris. He'll be just getting done with uh, EduCon. And, and I was like two days after EduCon's over. But if you know Chris Lehman... He is like that. Like the man goes 100 miles an hour all the time, and that's just the way he works. So uh, he, I wrote him, and he said, oh, yeah, no problem. I'll be there. So it, it's great. And, again, it'll be early morning for him. So we we uh, excited to have him on and, and appreciate him giving up his early morning time to be with us. So, Greg, thank you again for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it uh, and you giving up your time today to, to join us and talk about the recruiting process internationally. And uh, So that's going to wrap it. This is another Shifting Our Schools podcast. We'll be back on January 29th. Until then, keep shifting those schools.